You are listening to the LaxRecords.com podcast, episode 11. Today we're talking California high school lacrosse, so let's get started. Hey everybody, Mike here. Welcome to the LaxRecords.com podcast. This is your first time listening, and thanks for coming. If you're a returning listener, as always, thanks for coming back. We hope there's more and more of you each week. Um, A little bit of housekeeping stuff for this week. Be sure to go over and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Lax Records and head on over to Facebook and hit that like button at facebook.com slash Lax Records. I'm going to have all the links in the show notes and of course as usual it's on the website laxrecords.com. Today I'm talking to Jim Loftus, editor at Max Lax Inc. which encompasses maxlaxoc.com, maxlaxla.com, maxlaxsd.com, and maxlaxco.com. They are a little bit of everywhere. They are a fantastic website. They cover uh, pretty much all of Southern California and recently launched the Colorado site. And they're fantastic guys, and you can't find a better coverage of their specific areas um, where they're at. So today, Jim and I are doing a rundown of teams and players to watch in Southern California for the 2017 boys lacrosse season. This is one of the mon- among the things we discuss is can Torrey Pines win it all this season? with a team that's loaded, or will Poway come away with another section title? Can the Los Angeles teams continue their winning ways, or is it going to be one and done? Jim and I discuss it all. And go ahead and do yourself a favor. Be sure to follow MaxLaxLA at MaxLaxInc, that's I-N-C, on Twitter. If you have more specific taste, you can follow MaxLaxLA, MaxLaxSD, and MaxLaxCO on Twitter if you have those specific sites in mind. I'll have links to all their social media accounts on the website and in the show notes at laxrecords.com slash podcast. So without further ado, on to the show. I'm here with Jim, and we're going to kind of take a a preview of, uh, it's going to be a very early preview because I know we're still looking at the, uh, I guess, mid to late January, I guess uh, it's fair to say. So the season kicks off in a little bit, so we're going to take a little bit of a look at California. Um, so, Jim, thanks for, for being on today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, so, uh, to, to kind of kick it off, let's look at some of the teams that, that won it all last season and what, I guess, you kind of expect them to look like heading into this season. So, what were some of the teams, like, just, you know, with the areas that you're most familiar with, like, let's look at some of the teams and how you kind of see them um, in 2017. Okay, Sure. Um, so at MaxLax, we cover primarily Southern California. Um, and in California, the CIF, California Scholastic Federation, is broken up into sections. The Southern section is the largest, and it encompasses Ventura County, LA County, uh, Orange County. And then the San Diego section is separate. Um, so we'll, uh, I'll give you that background to sort of explain that LA and OC sort of fit together and then San Diego is its own entity. Um, so as far as teams to watch or teams who won it last year, um, uh, down in San Diego, Poway uh, won the open division uh, CIF championship for the second year in a row over Torrey Pines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and honestly, those two are probably the teams to watch again this year. Okay. Um, there's, there's, plenty of other really good teams, uh, but 
Torrey Pines, I think, is going to be very, very strong this year. Um, and, and Poway has just built a sort of a machine. They, they, they're coached by Zach Burke, who runs 3D San Diego. Um, so he's got a lot of his club influence into his high school program as well. Uh, and they're turning out a lot of really good players. So down in San Diego, I would look for, for Torrey uh, and, uh, and Poway to be right there again at the end. Yeah, and it's worth noting that uh, Coach Zisi at Torrey Pines is one win away from reaching 100 for his career as well. So he's on the verge. You know, if, they, if they had won um, that title game last year, he'd have 100. So I'm sure he's looking forward to getting yeah. that getting that this season. Uh, that That is not going to take long. They, that <laughs> team is stacked uh, this year. We can, we can get into sort of players to watch and, and, and predictions and whatnot later. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, was, I was looking – over the rosters and, that I can find and uh, commit lists and all league and all county and whatnot from last year, mm-hmm. that Torrey Pines roster is deep. Okay. All right. Um, you know, I, I guess the team that kind of um, popped onto my radar last season uh, was Loyola Los Angeles. They won the LA Ventura yep. um, section, I guess, is it section? I, you know, I know North California is a little bit different, but I know they won the Southern CIF as well. So how are they looking for for 2017 they're another team that's incredibly deep and they would have to be so again la and orange county Ventura are all part of the southern section of the cif unfortunately there's not yet enough uh, lacrosse programs in the southern section to for the southern section to sponsor an official uh postseason tournament okay southern section has i forget what the number is um hundreds of teams i can look it up but we're we're really about 20 programs short of having an official uh postseason tournament sponsored by the cif southern section okay so instead the two the two local u.s lacrosse chapters orange county and la have stepped in years ago and said fine we'll run a postseason tournament it's a very straightforward 16 team bracket in orange county and 16 teams in la ventura area um, and and then the winners of each of those brackets play for the de facto Southern Section Championship. So last year, Loyola won the North, L.A. Ventura, and then beat Corona Del Mar from Orange County um, for the overall Southern Section Championship. The first time since they've been doing this, first time in history, that a Los Angeles area program beat the Orange County champion. Oh, that's and pretty interesting. Honestly, Loyola, Loyola, Loyola could do it again. <laughs> yeah. That's another yeah. very, very deep, deep team. Okay. Um, you kind of mentioned some of the players to watch now that we've kind of, you know, given some of the team teams to keep an eye on. Who are some of those those players that, you know, some players I'm sure some people that follow recruiting will know, um, and then we can kind of get into some of the players that, you know, maybe only those, you know, in, in the know might be familiar with. Um, yeah, so there's some some pretty, I, I suppose, well-known um, recruited players, committed players uh, on, on a number of the teams we've mentioned so far. You know, again, starting San Diego, um, Torrey Pines has 12 Division One commits um, wow. in its classes of 17, 18, and 19, along with some others that are going to D3. Uh, um, and uh, they've... I'm trying to look at my list here. Poway has one, two, 
has, has released two on its roster now. Um, uh, Bishop School uh, has a kid named Isaiah Dawson, a MIDI, uh, who's committed to the Ivy. I believe everyone, I believe, says it's Harvard, but you know how that goes in recruiting. They're right, yeah, the Ivy Leagues are their own beast. He's committed to the admissions process in the <clears throat> Ivy League, and, and uh, right. he's a, a class of 18. Um, Cathedral Catholic down there has Mo Myrer, Mitty going to Notre Dame. Uh, um, but yeah, that Tory Pines roster is loaded. I think we'll see one, two, three, four defenders and their goalie wow. all committed to B1. Uh, wow. Yeah, you said it was tw- 12 or 13 guys. I mean, keep in mind there, you know, for those who don't know, Tory Pines, it's, it's a public school. So, you know, for, you know, that that's a huge number for a public school. And I mean, it's, you know, considering California, you know, I think the amount of talent out of California has been increasing year over year, but I'm not sure that a lot of people still look at that state as like whether you consider like a traditional hotbed state, but I mean that, you know, that, that number would rival a lot of the programs even back East. Yeah. You know, there, you mentioned John Odissi. He, uh, he runs the West coast stars club. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he know he knows just about everybody. Now, there has been talk that he gets transfers. Um, I don't really know. Um, I can't speak to that. Um, I do know one kid, a family, really, who came from the L.A. area a year ago, and dad got a new job and then moved, had to move to San Diego. They moved to the Torrey Pines area. And both boys, both Division One commits, uh, enrolled there. Now, is that... Is that because of Tory Pines and John Ozissi? I would say yes, but it's also because Dad got a new job and had to move. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You get the, you get that in every program. You know, I've 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 heard that. You know, I've covered football and basketball. You know, you, you get that anywhere. That's not a. <laughs> it's not really a unique story uh, for some of that stuff. You hear it's you know some of it's true, some of it's just you know. When you get to a certain level, people get tired of hearing your name called. <laughs> you know, it's like the New York Yankees, Cowboys. People get tired of hearing your name. And yeah. You just kind of start to get some of that stuff. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. He wins. You know, that's the bottom line for as far as I'm concerned, especially with a public school. Like yeah, for me, no, public cool. school coaching counts for so much because you, you don't know what you get from year to year. Kids graduate and you don't know if you have the kind of depth or, you know, that kind of talent. And then, you know, he has 12 or 13 D1 kids this year. Depending on how many graduate, maybe he has five or six next year, and someone else steps in, and it's it's their time to shine. It's the kind of thing I love about high school across. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They, uh, they, you know, they a new crop of kids every year, and yeah. you know, some develop, and uh, and you know some kids you've never heard of are, are going to be stars heading into next season. Yeah. So outside of Tory Pines, who's some of the the, the names to watch? Well, so that's, you know, sort of ran down some San Diego uh, kids. The Isaiah Dawson kid from Bishops, Mo Meyer from Cathedral. Um, Poway has Nick Beeson, a midi heading to Bryant, and a goalie uh, who's, as far as I know, uncommitted. Uh, he's only a junior, and then Kellen Cutting, but he's been playing varsity a couple of years on a back-to-back open division champion team. So okay. um, he's got a bright future. Um, those are the names that really jumped out at me from San Diego. Um, there is um, a kid, um, why am I blanking on his name? Plays at Coronado. Um, his brother just wound up at Maryland after being committed to Boston University. Yeah, uh, DeMeo. 
think it's uh, I think yeah, it's Anthony. I might yeah, Nick Nick DeMeo. I think it's Nick. I believe his. Da- I know his dad, yeah. and we were talking because uh, yeah, his his brother Anthony just set. Um, I think it's the. Um, I could be wrong, but I know I'm pretty sure it's the goals and points record for for California that I that Correct. I'm aware of. So you know he did that last season, yeah. which was you know pretty outstanding outstanding effort and. I think his brother, like I was talking to his dad last season. He said, you know, now his the the younger DeMeo has a has a goal to reach for <laughs> for the end of his career. <laughs> it's got some standards yeah, to so set. He'll be another one to watch down there um, in LA. As I mentioned, Loyola is stacked. Uh, they have seven seniors who are committed to either D one or D three uh, levels, including uh, a midi bound for Syracuse, Jonathan Parkamian, uh, another one bound for Maryland, Ryder Mora, who's the son of UCLA football coach Jim Mora. Um, they've got a defender and Nick Moeller headed to Boston University. He was a St. John's commit and then switched late in the fall. Uh, another defender heading to Air Force, Nico Econ. Um, defender heading to Division III Washington College, Morgan Lewis. Uh, and then a goalie heading to Tufts, Joe Thoyer. So they're bringing back uh, is that three D1 uh, defenders and then a D3 defender uh, and a goalie from last year's championship team. Uh, um, so they'll be they'll be pretty solid. It's got got to be nice to have that yeah. kind of returning talent and experience. Yeah, and uh, and you know we've got another uh, attack midi, um, very versatile offensive guy uh, Mason O'Hanlon who will go to Babson um, and and that's just a high level I mean that's a deep program and, and they get seem to get deeper every year so uh, they're, they're bringing back a lot of starters uh, kind of why I have them pegged as the team to beat once again in LA um, is there anybody Verde, okay, go ahead no Palos Verdes is the other um, Team to watch. They okay. uh, they lost to Loyola in the LA Division, the North Division uh, Championship game, mm-hmm. uh, with a bunch of seniors on that team. But they've got a couple kids. Austin Lowi is an attackman heading to Jacksonville, um, and a, a junior defender LSM named Kyle McBride, who is a St. John's commit. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like you know. Uh, like, uh, a lot of the a lot of the the usual suspects out of that area. It's kind of I mean, it sounds like, especially in the the areas we're kind of talking about. It looks like we might have some some nice rematches coming up uh, during the season. And then you know, because I'm, I'm yeah. looking at the title games. You know, Loyola Los Angeles beat Palos Verde seven to six in overtime. Um, Loyola Los Angeles beat Corona Del Mar in the Southern CF ten to six. You know, Poway beat or uh, is it you say Poway? Is that how you said it? Poway, yeah. Poway beat Torrey Pines. It was seven to six. You know, it's this, they were all close games last year, so it's not like there was a lot that separated them. You know, a break here and there can make the difference. So it's kind of nice to hear that a lot of these same teams have a lot of their talent coming back. That we might be able to see some of this uh, play out again over the course of the season because it was an exciting year. You know, obviously, yeah. you know, we haven't even really talked about the 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 up you know upstate stuff like with San Ignatius Prep and Monta Vista Danville, but you know, it was an exciting year out of California last year. Yeah, the Southern California has has really come a long way. Um, you know, I think San Diego. Uh, I've I've been out in LA now for ten years and watching lacrosse. Um, and when I moved out here, 
I was told that San Diego was king. Orange County was, was getting much better. LA was lagging a little bit behind. Mm-hmm. Teams would go, you know, 18 and one in LA, but then lose to an Orange County or, uh, well, like I said, no LA team won the Southern section over an OC team until just this last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so LA's finally caught up as at least a couple of programs that can really compete with uh, Orange County. And Orange County has a couple of programs that can really compete with San Diego. So the, the depth of programs is, is getting there. What, what do you think has um, helped close that gap? Um, I think it's, I, I think it's, um, there's this bubble of kids that like I say, when, when I moved here 10 years across in LA and especially in the Northern half of LA was not huge. Um, it was just growing. But those kids that started playing, you know, eight, 10 years ago, they're in high school now. <laughs> you know? And they've been playing, all, they've been playing all along. And as the talent grew, uh, more programs popped up. You had other high schools, parents going to their school boards and saying, we want a lacrosse team. Um, okay, great. You know, we're, we're adding six, I think it's six new CIF sanctioned programs on the boys' side uh, for this season. So we're growing towards that number that we need for the CIF to recognize it as a playoff championship sport. Mm-hmm. But I think the bubble of kids that picked up sticks in elementary school, you know, six, eight, ten years ago, are responsible for this this uh, explosion in in talent. Uh, it's, the fact that there aren't enough programs also indicates why a school like Loyola, private school, can attract so much uh, talent because kids say, "I want to play," but my local school doesn't offer it. I'm going to go to to a place like Loyola instead. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. So. Um... Now I'm going to put you on the spot just a little bit and ask for uh, some of your, your, your picks for, for the teams to kind of win it all this season. I know we've kind of talked about some of the teams. You, you mentioned a few of them, but um, who do you think are like the, the teams to beat this season or who do you think will win it all? Well, so you, you use the term usual suspects and, and, you know, we're still at that point in LA. It's, it's very hard for a dark horse to break through um, because the, these two or three upper echelon teams in each section uh, are just that good. Mm -hmm. So in the LA area, like I said, Loyola has to be the favorite again, Um, bring back their entire defense plus their first midfield, Um, a young Fogo um, who played in the Under Armour underclass games. That's going to be a stack team. Um, Palos Verdes will be very good. Once again, Um, they're replacing uh, a lot of graduated seniors who went on to, Got places like Georgetown and Marquette and, uh, you know, Lafayette, uh, a lot of guys. But Palos Verdes is a very deep program. Um, not a whole lot of other teams in L.A. that I think will contend with either of those two to win that half of the, the bracket. Orange County, um, I think Corona Del Mar will be there again. Uh, okay. uh, St. Margaret's Episcopal School, coached by Glenn Miles. Um, has a really good shot. Uh, they they uh, believe they've lost in the, or, uh, the Orange County final to CDM, I believe. Um, I have to look that up. I'm not sure. Uh, St. Margaret's, yeah, they lost 11 to 9 in the Orange County CIF, yeah. is what I have. Right, right. Um, Santa Margarita Catholic lost in the semis 
uh, to Corona Del Mar, eight to six. Um, but that team had only four seniors. Mm. So they're bringing back 12 sophomores and 11 juniors. Uh, um, so they'll be strong. Um, Foothill, uh, it's surprising we can get through a com- this deep into a conversation about Orange County and not <laughs> mention Foothill. Um, but they're they're always good, although this year they did graduate 14, or last year they graduated 14 seniors. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what they can put together um, this coming year. But they're another very deep program. Okay. Uh, and down in San Diego, down in San Diego, I got to go with Torrey Pines just because of the depth of that roster. But Poway has won two in a row, and, and they play together in the off season. They'll they'll be right there again. Um, okay. All right. Yeah. It sounds like you said. I mean, it's it sounds like it's shaping up to be another exciting year, especially since you got six new programs, you know, um, joining. The uh, the CIFs this year and just joining the state like that just that shows that you know the game is growing out there and I think you know I mean the way you said that it has grown where LA couldn't compete ten years ago and now you get them beating the Orange County teams I mean it sounds like that the state is heading in the direction of just growing you know growing the game and more teams a little bit more I guess parity and a little bit more power um, transfer possibly in you know maybe another and five to ten years. And it's also coaching, um, and you're, you're getting you're getting coaches who are staying put and, and building programs, uh, coaches who have been with their the same program for five plus years. So they're developing kids, you know, and they're working in the uh, in the youth programs to to prepare kids, and then they're get coaching them all four years, um, as opposed to you know, well, my son was my older son was class of thirteen, and he had. Uh, three different head coaches in four years, uh, mm. uh, and and that was just a few years ago. Uh, and there's still programs in the area that are going through that that kind of turnover. But all the, the schools that we're mentioning, um, Corona Del Mar, uh, Foothill, uh, uh, Saint Margaret's, you know, we mentioned Torrey Pines, Poway. Those are all programs with coaches who have been there a while. Palos Verdes, Jimmy Burrell has been there uh, a long time. Yep. Um, Loyola coaches, Loyola coaches are going into their fifth year, I believe, um, working together and building that program. So there's consistency um, in, in the better programs. Yeah, and I think, you know, especially for, you know, having covered lacrosse in several sports and for, you know, almost a decade now, like for me, that's, you see the in those programs that have those coaches that just stay year in, year out, that, you know, it does. It honestly, sometimes it just doesn't matter that the kids that they have, you're gonna guarantee that they're gonna win. You know, like all right, that's you know, they win ten games every year. It's just how many games over that they might possibly get. You know, just because of the talent that they have, or you know, is it their season? So it's you know, coaching in high school ranks seems to be so important. You know, not that it's not at other levels, but I think you you see the impact of having that, like you said, the consistency year in year out play out over the development of uh, those young athletes. And I think it's especially important in a uh, somewhat emerging sport like lacrosse. Um, I mean, football is established, and you know, LA and Orange County are big football areas. And is if you're a kid who wants to play high-level high school football, you grow up knowing where to go to school. You know uh, if you're going to go to a private school, which one you're going to you're going to target. The programs have a history in their communities. 
Mm-hmm. Um, lacrosse is just building that. Lacrosse is just now getting that um, in in our area anyway. Yeah. Do you guys get like I know I've talked to in the past I've talked to coaches in an area in Texas and they said like the football I mean obviously everybody knows how big football is in Texas but I think you know California is probably very much the same. I, when I think football I usually think California, Texas, Florida and maybe a little bit of Pennsylvania and Ohio. Um, but definitely, you know, Texas and California are among my, my first thoughts. But one of the coaches in Texas told me that the football coaches don't let, you know, if you're a starting running back, if you're a starter on the football team, you don't play other sports because they don't want to risk injury. It's like your star quarterback's never going to play on a lacrosse team. It just, it's not going to happen. Like, did any of that, um, kind of, ha- did you see any of that or hear about any of that in California when it was first starting? Or um, when you first there's, got out there's there? definitely some of that. Yeah, there's definitely some of that. Um, there are some high schools where football program is so important to the you know, image of the school uh, that the football coach wields that sort of um, authority. Mm-hmm. Um, I know of a, I know of a coach, football coach, who stood up in front of a group of parents, you know, in front of the whole school, and said, "We believe in sharing athletes. We believe in in." our athletes playing multiple sports but then privately he went to his players and said no don't play lacrosse don't you know you, in the spring you're running tra- you're running track uh you know if you were a star player he had a couple star players that played baseball and they were very good mm-hmm. um, go play baseball but if you're not a star player and you just want to try another sport try track and field or let's be part of our seven on seven or be in our weight program um, so there's some of that, yeah. But but you also see, I know Corona Del Mar uh, has a lot of crossover uh, with the football and lacrosse teams. Palos Verdes has a ton of crossover um, uh, down there. Uh, uh, I can't speak specifically to many of the other programs. Sorry about that. That's okay. Um, but uh, but th- those two uh, those two certainly. Um, you know some of the other public schools out in, in well, north of LA, the Canal Valley, Thousand Oaks, Westlake Village area. Uh, Westlake High School, uh, which is a very good program, has a number of uh, crossover football players. So it happens, but there are plenty of football coaches who discourage it. Yeah. Well, hopefully, you know, Chris Hogan's success with the Patriots on Sunday might make some of those coaches look twice at, uh, you know, letting some of their players play lacrosse because it seemed playing lacrosse seemed to have worked out pretty well for him, <laughs> at least for one week. I know, I know one lacrosse coach who was struggling to get his football coach on board. And he said, coach, come out and watch us practice. Just sit in the stands for an hour and a half and watch. Um, and that, if after that you still don't like lacrosse and don't want your guys playing, um, that's fine. I won't ask you again, but give me an opportunity to show you what we do. And so the coach did, and the lacrosse coach told me that after that practice, the football coach said, yeah, okay, I get it. I see it. It's cool. If anyone wants to play, uh, I won't stop them. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's, you know, it's part of the culture that people have to, you know, understand. And I'm sure, you know, it's a, being such a growing sport out there that, you know, there's probably going to be a little hesitancy until you get that moment where a coach is like, all right, yeah, I get it. I understand. You know, it's no longer this, this unknown entity out there that you know they could see the value in in their players playing because you know i you know growing up i grew up in north carolina when you weren't playing football in 
in the fall, you were running track in the spring. That's just what you did. Like those sports go for years have gone hand in hand. Um, And I think now in some of these areas, there's, there's another option. Like they can play lacrosse and you can get, you know, there's a, there's a value to playing those multiple sports. You know, I think Dom Storzhev was a very big proponent. You know, I remember speaking to him and he was like, you know, I want my kids to play as many sports as they, they possibly can because he feels like it just makes them a better lacrosse player. And you just get that, that all-around training and all-around player. It's advantageous. Years ago, two, uh, two seasons ago, I guess it was, 2015, Palos Verdes uh, won the L.A. bracket and uh, and played uh, St. Margaret's in the section final and lost. But that PV team, they're – their best midi uh, was also the starting running back uh, from a CIF champion football team. Um, kid named Stanton Gilbertson is now up at Hobart. Um, and their the starting quarterback from that championship football team was uh, a D midi and uh, uh, wing on the faceoffs, a ground ball machine. And he brought the, the toughness and the leadership and, and did all the dirty work. And he was the quarterback on that football team. Yeah. The glamour guy right yeah there's enough crossover programs like that 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 they're very you know they become very gritty lacrosse teams very tough lacrosse teams yeah it's always interesting to watch to see how they you know those some of those programs like if the personality of the the football team kind of takes over you know I've, i've talked to some of the kids in minnesota and they say like some of the the hockey mentality transferred to some of the lacrosse teams because obviously hockey's huge in in minnesota so it's it's kind of fun and i've seen some of the minnesota club teams playing you can see the distinct differences, and it's it's fun for me to watch because you get to see all the different teams and you know teams from different areas. And having watched so many sports over over my career, that you can kind of see like, oh yeah, they kind of have this, they have like a football mentality, or they like yeah, they kind of take on the personality. It's, it's fun to see that from from my perspective, just to, to be able to watch that you can see the different areas and like the different regions, and you know, like all right, what's your sport here? Like oh yeah, I can kind of see how that translates, you know, I grew up, like I said, I grew up in North Carolina, ACC country. When I covered lacrosse down in Wilmington, North Carolina, you could see how they played it. It, it was, you know, I, I remember watching, um, uh, Laney high school, which is where Michael Jordan played high school basketball and Hoggard play a game. And having grown up down there, I'm like, it felt like a sport that was, you know, I saw the basketball, everybody referred to it as, you know, um, uh, basketball on the field which i think you know a lot of people do but down there that was definitely the mentality because that's what people you know it's acc country that's people you grew up with a bat you were born like kids in maryland are born with a lacrosse stick in your hand if you're born in north carolina you're born and you know someone puts a basketball on your hands so <laughs> it's that mentality so you know it's kind of fun to see how some of these areas the the game it's the same game but you know the kind of the personality and the styles um can vary from region region to region it's fun and I think that's why lacrosse is, is catching on in so many new places is, is it does incorporate aspects of, of different sports. So a basketball player can see himself, a point guard can see himself as a dodging midi, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, football players can see themselves, uh, you know, running backs cutting through the crease. Uh, so the, the, the skills translate and, uh, and it helps. Yeah. And for me, lacrosse feels, um, the more, I guess, one of the more inclusive sports um, that there is, because you know, I mean, when I think about it, you know, and it's not to say that a five foot five kid doesn't play football because they do, they do play with certain programs. But you know, if you're going to be a star football running back, you're probably going to be 
five foot 10, 190, 200 pounds. If you're going to be a star quarterback, you're probably going to be six, three to six, five. You know, you kind of have stereotypes of what, you know, these players are. And it's tough to break out of that mold. Like Doug Flutie had a tough time breaking out of the stereotype mold for a NFL kind of quarterback. Like I don't see quite as much of that in lacrosse um, as I do. Cause I you know I've covered guys. I remember covering a kid. He played for St. Andrews and I think he was like five, three, five, four kid was a stud. Like he could get all over the field. Like you don't see, you, you don't see a lot of that in a lot of sports, but it feels more like the norm. Like you can't, you can't peg an attackman at, you know, he's going to be this height, this weight, and he's going to look a certain way. Like you can in some of the other sports. Like you know, for me, like and growing up as someone who was five foot ten and not, you know, could, had no football talent. It's like it's, and we didn't have lacrosse as an option. It's nice to see it. But like oh, you know, it feels like you know you can have a kid that can play this sport even if he doesn't fit a mold. Like there's there's a spot for him. He can find a spot whether it's in goal. D midi face off like there's a spot and you know that's one of the another one of the things that I love about the sport it just feels feels inclusive. Yeah, absolutely. So agree more. All right. Well, I think that's as good a place to as any to end. I really appreciate you taking some time and talking some California lacrosse. Like I said, I'm excited. When does the um, actual first games that you know of kick off for the season? So when does California start their year? First games are the weekend of the 25th, I believe, of February. Okay. Uh, so pra- official practices will get underway not next week, probably, but the week of the 6th, maybe. Um, but uh, they're all in conditioning now and, uh, and, and working out. San Diego is a little bit behind that, a week or two behind that, I think, right. um, on their calendar. Um, but in the southern section where, where, where we are, L.A. and Orange County, um, They'll face off for the first time on the 25th, and then the playoff, the championship tournament will wrap up by mid-May. Yeah, you guys are one of the early ones because I think Florida starts right around the 20th as well. I think their their first games are allowed, I think, the 20th um, of February. So you guys are right right around that time, maybe a couple days behind. But, you know, I always consider Florida and California and Texas, that's the official start for me of lacrosse season. So I'm excited to get it started. I think we're right around two weeks away as of recording this on the, the 24th of January. So it's going to be exciting. It should be another great season. So Jim, I yeah, we're definitely looking forward to it. appreciate you, you taking some time and I'm sure we'll be, we'll be touching base, um, touching base soon. Uh, 